0: Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. It's good to be here with you. Good to be able to share God's Word with you. And, you know, before... We jump into it. I just want to do one final announcement that I I thought would be better coming from me instead of making Andy do it again, and that's to invite all the ladies in the house to our Her Night Women's Event, May 13th. Yes, coming up not this Friday, next Friday. Mark your calendars, and I just want to tell you that that we would love for you all to be there. Ladies, all ages, all stages, we're thinking about you. We're we're praying into what we need, but we know that we need to be together. We need to hear from God together. We need to laugh and cry and pray for each other and be encouraged and do all the things that the ladies do when we're together without the men. No offense, men, we love you, but sometimes we just need to have the ladies together, right? So would you come? Would you bring somebody with you that you know just needs community, needs encouragement? Uh, we're preparing for you and believing it's going to be a great night. So you can RSVP on our website. The tickets are free. You don't actually need a ticket, but if if you let us know you're coming, that'll help us. So that's May 13th for her night. Well, we're going to continue in our series, Questions Jesus Asked. And uh, today we're going to read from Mark chapter 10, the story that may be familiar to many of you, um, the story of a blind man named Bartimaeus who was healed. And um, we're, we're going to call him Blind Bart, okay? Because I like that. It's kind of catchy. It's a little easier than Bartimaeus. And I think if he was here today, we'd call him Bart. So we're going to do that. I, um, Andy and I, several years ago, were, were in Australia at a conference uh, with Pastor Ron and Jill. And we heard a really incredible sermon from Bishop T.D. Jakes on this same passage. And so as soon as I knew this was my passage, I flashed to that And thought, there's no way I can do what he did. Because he basically acted out the entire sermon. Like, super dramatic. He was sweating buckets. He had like a keys player doing the whole sermon with him. I think they'd done this before. And it was really epic. And I'm here to tell you, that is not going to happen here today. I'm just going to be me and let T.D. Jakes be him. But uh, I believe God has something for us. And I'm excited. So, this is the third story about healing that we've had in this series. And you may be thinking, like, okay, is there a theme here? Why are we talking so much about all these healing stories? And, and I want you to know that, you know, in the Bible, every story has a, a meaning, but it also has layers, it has lots of application that goes beyond exactly what we read. And so I believe that this story isn't a formula for physical healing, Um, Because it's different than many of the other healing stories. It would be very confusing. It's like, do I need to touch Jesus' robe, or do I need mud in my eyes, or do I just need to talk to him? Like, what do I do? It's not a formula for physical healing as much as a pathway for discipleship, a pathway to get to Jesus. And so that's what we're going to look at today, okay? So if you need healing, God's got healing for you. But for everybody else in the room who maybe isn't blind or doesn't need healing, this still applies to us. Let's start reading in Mark chapter 10. I'm going to make a few pauses and and give you a few thoughts as we go along, and then we're going to apply it. So Mark chapter 10, if you're following along, starting in verse 46. um, Just to set the tone. Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. They are heading into the last week of his life, the triumphal entry, and they are, are preparing. The crowd is growing. Pastor Lucas talked about it last week. The crowd is getting large. There's a big crowd walking with Jesus. They're heading through a town near Jerusalem called Jericho, and, and there's a man there that he has an interaction with. Let's, let's read here. Verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is interesting, this this, um, phrase, Jesus, son of David, because this is a messianic title. This is acknowledging Jesus as the Messiah. It's not a name that was used for him often in the New Testament. Many people didn't really know who he was yet. And those who did, often Jesus asked them to keep it to themselves. But this is near the end of his life. And there's a man here who's never met Jesus before who's acknowledging who he is, that he's the Messiah. That's significant. So he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, and they said, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. This is so interesting, because you see the crowd, and and Lucas talked about this last week too, the crowd is so fickle, aren't they? They're like, they're shushing him, they're rebuking him, stop doing that, let him go by, and then Jesus stops and calls him, and they're like, hey, buddy, it's your lucky day, come on, get up, be encouraged. They switch right from one to the other, they flip-flop. And we're going to talk about the crowd in just a moment, but just take note of that. They, they say, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. So verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now, I'm going to pause here again, the cloak is a very important part of this story. It's just a garment, but in this day, it was so much more than a garment. He was a blind beggar. He lived on the streets probably his whole life. He had been there with nothing, with no home, probably very few, if any, possessions except his cloak. His cloak was his blanket at night. His cloak was his literal security, his safety, his home, so to speak. The Bible actually talks about a cloak of a poor person several times in the Old Testament, In Exodus and Deuteronomy, Exodus says, if you take your neighbor who is needy, if you take their cloak as a pledge, return it to him by sunset, because his cloak is the only covering he has for his body. What else will he sleep in? So this cloak is important. It's his blanket. It also was probably used to catch his coins. He'd lay it out. People would throw the coins on because he couldn't see, and then he'd gather it up at the end of the day. So it was a tool of his trade. He threw off the cloak when Jesus called his name. This is important. Throwing it off was a show of faith that he wasn't gonna need that cloak anymore. He was leaving it behind. So we're gonna get to that too. So he threw it off, came to Jesus, verse 51. Here's our question for today. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. So, Bartimaeus, Bart, he knew exactly what he wanted from Jesus. He knew that he needed his sight. And if he could get that, that would change everything. And it's interesting to note here, like I said, there's different types of miracles. In this miracle, there's no touch from Jesus, there's not even any words or specific words. There's no mud, there's no nothing. He just says, Go. Your faith is healed, immediately the man was healed. There's nothing special, there's no formula for healing. God works how he wants. Let's remember that. God does what he wants to fulfill what he's gonna do. And the last thing I want to draw your attention to is this last phrase, he got up and followed Jesus along the road. He didn't leave, receive his sight, and say like, thanks so much, buddy, and, you know, go live his life, go find his family, go reunite with somebody. He got up, and he immediately followed Jesus. That means he followed him into Jerusalem. That's where they were headed next. He was maybe there, probably there as part of that crowd in the triumphal entry, as part of the Passion Week, seeing all the events unfold. He was part of the discipleship of Jesus and the the journey that Jesus was on. So he, he got up, he began to follow him. What I think stands out the most when I look at this passage is his desperation. Bartimaeus was desperate to get to Jesus, and he was bold in his ask, wasn't he? Just like the woman last week with the issue of blood. Um, Pastor Lucas talked about how desperate she was to just get to Jesus, touch the hem of his robe. We see that same desperation here. I see a theme emerging that these people are desperate. They know what they need. They can name it, and they can go after it, and they know that Jesus is the only one that can provide it. So if this is more about discipleship than it is about actual healing, then then what can we learn from Bartimaeus? What can we learn from our friend Bart? I think there's there's a couple of things that God impressed on my heart as I was considering this message, and just just two phrases. And I'm going to warn you right now, they're not very Canadian. They're a little bit more um, out there. They're a little bit more intense. They're you know, we like to be polite, we sit so nicely, and we listen, and we sometimes clap a little bit, and we do a little chuckle, not too much, but we're Canadian, right? And I love Canadians. I'm, I'm with you in it. I don't always want to stand out. Um, in fact, usually the goal is not to. We just came from the U.S. from a, a conference with um, 3,000 pastors in a room, most of whom are U.S. and I can tell you, it's a different culture. They're standing up, they're shouting people out. They're like, when there's a good word preaching, they just people just stand and like, mm, 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 mm. they're just like not even they stand right where they are and they're just like in it and they're clapping and shouting and and it's good, it's encouraging for your faith. But I'm like, we're kind of in like the second section. I'm like, I'm glad we're back here because. We're Canadian. They put the Canadians in the second section, in the balcony, actually. That's where they put us. They had seats for us. It was like, you go there, and all the excited people go here. So we're Canadian. This is going to be hard for us, but this is, what I, this is what I have for you. This is what I feel like God gave me for us. It's If we're going to walk this journey of letting Jesus transform us, we have to do two things. We have to stand up, and we have to stand out. That's going to be hard, but let's walk through it. Stand up going to start with stand up. When you stand up in a room like this, you're going to get noticed. When you stand up in life and do something different than what other people are doing, you're going to get noticed. You're going to cause a little bit of a fuss. And sometimes we don't like that. But I believe that we need to stand up first of all and acknowledge our need. What do you need from Jesus? That's the question for today. That's the question I want to ask you. We all have needs. We all have spiritual needs, physical, relational needs. And we have to start by acknowledging what they are. You know, we as Christians, we know how to do this thing. We know how to walk this journey. Many of us have been following Jesus for a long time, and we know how it works. And, and we go to church on Sundays, and hopefully read our Bibles, and maybe we pray, you know, we do grace before we eat, and maybe we pray with our kids before bed. And, and it's pretty easy to get into a place where those are the things that your faith is about. Those are the rituals, and those are good things, and we need those things, but at some point... What, do we ever stop and realize maybe that's all there is, is just the rituals. I haven't actually stopped and been honest and asked God, what is it that I need from you besides the things that I just always do that make me feel comfortable? You know, what do you need from Jesus? This is a really good question also for relationships. When you're in a challenge in a relationship, we've learned this. The best question you can ask, you stop. When when they're having a a freak out, which is usually in our case, it is Andy, and I will be like, Andy, what do you need from me? That's a good question, because it forces the one who has the problem, so to speak, to, I mean, usually it's one of us. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. It's usually me. You know it. It's usually the woman. Um, What do you need from me? It's a good question. It forces you to stop, stop your behavior and actually ask, what is it that I need? Not just like, I feel this and you've done this and you've done that, what do you need from me? So this is a good tool for your relationships and we'll, we'll go there another time, but um, use it in your relationships. It forces you to stop and be honest and that's what Jesus is asking us to do here. Be honest, what do you need? Do you need hope? Do you need a breakthrough? Maybe you do need healing, Maybe you need provision or a miracle. Let's start by acknowledging what it is for what we need, and then we're gonna stand up and we're gonna ask for what we need. We need to not be polite all the time. We need to get a little bit desperate. Bart was desperate. The woman with the issue of blood was desperate. They knew they had to get to Jesus or nothing is ever going to change for me. Sometimes it's okay for us to get a little bit desperate, to get desperate for what Jesus has, to say, I've got to change things. This is not working. Desperation is not weakness. Desperate for Jesus, that's attached to faith. It's bold and it's determined. and, And Jesus isn't afraid of that. He's asking us for that. He gives us a story about that as an example of it. And he has other stories, too. After Jesus um, gives the disciples the Lord's Prayer, he gives a little story about a friend who goes to the neighbor's house and knocks on the door, you know, at midnight asking for bread. And it sa- he says, the friend wouldn't have got up and given him the bread except that he was so bold and kept knocking. He didn't want to give it to him. He wanted that guy to be quiet. So he got what he needed because of his boldness. This is a picture Jesus is giving us. Be bold, be desperate, it's okay. Don't just be polite for the rest of your life because you're not gonna always get what you need. If Bart didn't stand up and take a risk and boldly ask for what he needed, he would have spent the rest of his life in bondage. He would have spent the rest of his life in that exact same spot in Jericho, blind and poor, and Jesus would have passed him by and that would be the end of it. Nothing would have changed. So are you more determined to get to Jesus than you are to keep living in the security that you've created for yourself, that security that actually keeps us blind and keeps us enslaved. Are we more determined for Jesus to give us what we really need and to let go of those other things? Don't let anybody silence your voice. You be strong. You stand up. You ask for what you need. Don't get so used to living with your lack that you, you forget that the Savior of the world is right there in front of you he's not just walking by on his way to somewhere else like bart would have missed him and that would be too late we're not going to miss him he's right there he's always right there but we have to reach out we have to acknowledge what we need we have to ask him for it the savior of the world is accessible to you ask him for what you need the other thing we need to do is throw off what holds us back this is the cloak this is the picture here Are we ready to let go of the things that hinder us from getting to Jesus? I can't tell you what those things are for you, but I've been praying that God would reveal that to you, even right now, that that sometimes good things actually are holding us back from pursuing God wholeheartedly. They're taking our time, they're taking our energy, they're taking our resources, they're requiring things of us so that we can't seek God first, at the top, first priority, only him, are we willing to give up some things that are holding us back from what God would prioritize in our lives? Some things that are good things, but that need to be placed under Jesus. Maybe we need to leave them behind altogether. You know, there's good things that sometimes God is asking us to just let go of. And it's like, well, he doesn't ask everyone else to do that. Well, Why, why can they still do that thing? Why is their life still good and they get to do that? Because God's not asking them to give it up. He's asking you to. And that's, that's discipleship. That's character building. Some of those things we think we really need. Some of those things make us feel safe, like the cloak. But have you noticed that the best things that you achieve in your life, the best things in life require effort and intentionality. You gotta go after them. They're not just gonna happen. Developing this relationship with Jesus, this um, deep character isn't just gonna happen. You have to go after it. You need to do hard things to get the things that really matter. So throw off what God's asking you to let go of. Maybe put it aside for a time. Maybe leave it behind forever, even though everybody else isn't. And then the last thing we need to do when we stand up is to stand in faith. You know, sometimes I think we're afraid to ask. I've sure felt like this. I'm afraid to ask because I don't know that I have the faith to even... Receive it. I don't even have the faith to believe that something could be different, and so I just don't ask because I don't want to be disappointed. But we don't have faith in our abilities. We don't have faith in our persistence or even in our boldness or in the way we ask. We have faith in this living God who loves us, who hears us, who is near to us, who wants us to draw near to him so he can change our lives. Bart's faith is what healed him. That's what Jesus said, your faith has healed you. So, yeah, maybe that's your need. Maybe your need is more faith. You know, I heard this a long time ago from from a great preacher that um, if you don't have faith, ask God for it. It's something you can actually ask for, and he'll give you more of it. The Bible says it too. Um, Ask God if you don't have enough faith. Maybe that's your need, that you need more faith. Don't be afraid to ask for that. He wants to give you that. And can I remind you that that's why we gather in community. That's why we come here because we elevate each other's faith. We talk about this with our staff. What is our goal when we get together? Our goal is to elevate faith in this room. So when you come into this place, you just feel like there's something different here. When we sing and we worship together, I feel my faith being elevated because I hear your voice and your voice. And they don't even have to be good voices to elevate my faith. We just have to be doing it together. And that's why we need church. So you gotta get in the room. You gotta get with believers, get in a small group, elevate each other's faith. I mean, you could watch all the all the whole the world's worth of sermons on YouTube by yourself, but it's not gonna be the same as getting in the room with other believers and elevating that faith. And so we need to stand in faith. We need to be together. We're doing this together, we're gonna help each other. So you stand up. And you also need to stand out. Now, this is even harder. This is even less Canadian of us. Don't be like everyone else. Don't be worried about everybody else. Bart wasn't worried about people's perception of him or what people were telling him to do because they were like, shush, they were um, rebuking him. That's a strong word. They were like, stop it, stop talking. The teacher's going by. And he, did, he wasn't worried about that. He knew what he needed, and he knew that Jesus had it. So he went after it like his life depended on it. We have to go after Jesus with everything we have and not worry about what everybody else thinks and about how we look. That's hard for us. Let me ask you a question. Since when has the crowd ever been right? I don't think they're right very often, <laughs> Because they sway from here to there and they're all over the place and they're, you know, intense and then they back off and they're unreliable and they're not following the heart of Jesus. The crowd is not what we're following. The crowd is not who we're trying to please. The people rebuked him and encouraged him. They changed their minds, but God never changes his mind. The things that matter to God never, ever change. So we follow him. We don't follow the crowd. If any of you follow Dave Ramsey and his principles for financial management, he has a phrase that I think of often, and I love this phrase. He's speaking financially, but it applies to every area of our life. He says, if you want to live like no one else later, you have to live like no one else now. And it's the same in our, in our financial life. It's the same in our, our character, our spiritual life. You have to be different than everybody else if you want to be a follower of Jesus because everybody else isn't a follower of Jesus. Everybody else isn't pushing you on and spurring you on in your faith and pointing you to him. If you want to do it the way everybody else does, you're going to get the same results as them. I'd say what our world is doing is not working. <laughs> you don't have to look very far, do you, to see The chaos and the confusion and the anxiety and the despair and the um, division, not just in the world, in our families, in our friends, in our own homes sometimes, in our own lives. What we're doing on our own is not working. We have to find a different way. The ways of the world are not going to help you get to Jesus. They surely aren't going to heal you. So we need a supernatural way, Right. The goal isn't to be normal. I think a lot of my life I felt like the goal was just to be normal. Be like everybody else. Don't don't make a fuss, don't stand out, don't stand up. That's actually not the goal at all. The goal is to develop deep character and to align ourselves with Jesus and to go after him with all of our hearts because we are not normal. We're disciples of Jesus. Guess what the Bible says about you? That means you're a new creation. You're different than everybody else. You're God's workmanship. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You're children of God. You're the righteousness of God. You're crucified with Christ. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're citizens of heaven. You're more than conquerors. You're blessed. You're chosen. You're holy. You're blameless and redeemed and forgiven. Thank you, Andy. (laughs) That's not normal. That's not normal. But that's who we are. That's who we are. So we have to stand out. We're not going to be like everybody else. We're going to be a little bit different, and that's okay. The other thing about standing out is we have to focus on character, not on comfort. That's not what the world does either. All these things are so different than what the world teaches us, so different than what's natural to us. But we have to want Jesus more than we want to be comfortable because it's about our character. We have to do the hard things to get what really matters. We have to ask the hard questions. We, we were talking this week at our conference about this. We have to have guardrails in our life. We have to have accountability. We have to have hard conversations. We have to develop practices that take us deeper. These are hard things. These aren't comfortable things, but these give us character. And these give us the character to sustain us when the challenge comes, when the storm comes, and it will come. It's already come or it's about to come or it's going to come later. We know this. We've lived long enough to know the challenge comes and we need the depth that's going to sustain us. Can I tell you, my heart pastorally for you is that we wouldn't be shallow Christians that aren't ready to face the the challenges of life. You know what God says about those kind of people? He says in Revelation, I spit them out. (laughs) They're lukewarm. They're not... They're not really seeking me. They're just going through the motions or they've lost their first love or they've not prioritized the right things. I don't want us to be those people. I don't want us to be that church. I want us to be ready to have depth of character, to be people that walk with God, to be people that hear from God for ourselves. You don't just come to church to hear from God. I hope you do, but I hope you hear from Him in your week too. I hope He speaks to you. Let's be people who seek God, who ask God for what we need, and who hear from Him and receive from Him because He has more for us than we could ever imagine. We have to keep working on our character because that's what's gonna sustain us, that's what's gonna keep us steady and safe in the storms, and that's the pathway God has for us. So when he asks you, what do you need from me? He asked that to Bartimaeus. I believe he's asking it to us today too. What do you need from me? Do you have an answer for him? Ask him to reveal to you, what do you need? And then are you willing to do whatever it takes to go after him so you can become whole and you can become healed and free and all that God intended you to be? He has so much more for us, so let's stand up. And let's stand out. Let's be different. Let's be people who acknowledge our need and trust Jesus to provide for it. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you that it's true and it's alive and it applies to our lives today. And I thank you that this story has so much to teach us and not just about physical healing, but about being desperate for you, God. And so we come to you surrendered and say, Lord, we need you. We have needs in our lives. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate in every heart and mind what it is that they need. And you would give us the courage to stand up and ask for it, to be different than those are around us, to lead the way in leading our family and our friends and our, our small groups to you, Jesus, because you're the only one that can provide. And we trust you, that you have good things for us. You're gonna fill us up. You're gonna reveal a lack, but then you're gonna fill it with so much more than we could ever imagine And so would you fill us now? Would you give us everything that we need in this space? God, would you provide in every way through your supernatural power? We trust you. We love you in Jesus' name, amen, amen.